You're listening to the Single Mom Cast by Arise Ministries, and I'm Mel Hyatt. I'm so excited to introduce you to our guests today, who are zooming in all the way from Carrollton, Texas, from Church at the Field. So I want to welcome Kennedy and Sterling. Guys, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having us. We're excited. Yes, I am so excited. They are student pastors, student ministry experts. They're doing all the things with students down there in Texas, and I cannot wait for you to learn some really great tips and tricks and advice from them that they have learned in all their years of working with students. So guys, I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about why you love teenagers? Because for some people, um, they cannot understand that world at all. So I just want to start with that quick question that I did not prep you with. Um, but why, why are you in student ministry? You're closer in age to them, so I'll let you go first. <laughs> um, I am in student ministry just because I love this age of faith for kids. Um, I think that this age is where they're really challenged with their faith and they're learning to get it to be their own faith. And so um, this is just a cool place to equip them to have their own faith. Yeah, I, some of them are similar for me with Kennedy. I just love the age of teenagers as well as college students. My time as a high schooler and a middle schooler, my family was super involved in church, but for some different reasons, we were not plugged in to a specific church when I was late middle school and in high school. And I think that affected a lot of my faith journey in college. And so I just value that time in their life where in middle school and high school, it's their first time that they're saying, well, these are the things I've grown up being told I believe, but, but do I believe it? You know, and and also I just some people think I'm crazy. I'm 33 years old, but I think teenagers are fun. Um, they they keep me young. What movie says that? You girls, you keep me young. That's Mean Girls. I'm quoting right now. Yes. Nice. Um, so that's fine. That's because I hang out with teenagers, even though I don't think they were alive when that movie was made. So I just like teens, and I think it's a crucial time in their faith walk. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you both taking the time today. What we want to do is ask you some questions that helps our moms understand sort of that side of uh, the world's, the, the perspective that you get being pastors, and and, and the, what we're titling this is what student pastors want parents to know. Um, if you had this audience that really was listening, um, I know that you would have a lot to say to them. So I want to ask you some questions that I know our moms are um, really curious about and maybe don't have the avenue to ask experts like you about them. Um, and then we're, we're going to talk some about faith, but we're also just going to talk um, just about teenagers and um, adolescents and some things that you think uh, that parents need to hear. So let me start by asking, what should moms do about the pressing issues in the world and how they are affecting their children? There's a lot going on. Where should a mom start? What should she do? I think when I immediately hear that question, I mean, students all the time, we we can come up with curriculum upon curriculum of a study of the, the book of Jonah or talking about Revelation. But more often than not, I find that teenagers still want answers to topical things and world issues and pressing issues because those are the things that come up in school. And as a kid 
that identifies as a Christian, they wonder what their faith speaks into that, you know? And so I just, and I think sometimes as adults, we ignore it because we don't have all the answers and we think to talk to our child about it, we have to have every answer. And so I would be telling moms listening that you do not necessarily have to have the answer to everything, but your kid needs a place to talk about it and to say, well, this is how I feel about this, or this frustrates me about Black Lives Matters or LGBT, or if people are wearing masks or not in school, whatever it is that the world issue is, if your kid's not talking to you about it, they're gonna be talking to someone about it, you know? And so you want your home to be one of those places that they feel safe. So the first place is just talking about it. And it's okay to say, man, I'm still wrestling with what I think about this too. And you also have to know as a parent that especially with your older teenagers, they may have a differing view from you and it's good to create an environment to talk about your disagreements instead of just shutting your child down because then they're never gonna talk to you. Yeah, Uh, I mean, and also with that, Sterling and I, you talked about how when parents, like we're not, I'm I'm not a parent, but um, you're not, your job is not to protect them from the world and keep them away from it. Your job is to prepare them for it. And so you, they're going to be in the world and they're going to be talking to other people, like you said. And so your job is to prepare them to have those conversations with other people. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times I've experienced parents who fear the world and the sin that's in it and they just avoid conversations and they avoid allowing their kids to know what's out there and then you haven't prepared them for it and then that brings anxiety and depression and maybe pitfalls because you you hope that they'll just never have to deal with certain things but it's the world and they're going to be in it and your desire should be for them not to be of it not to protect them from it so That's great advice. And I think it's really important for moms and parents to remember. I know the older your child gets, the less important you feel in their life. I was reading um, recently that uh, once once a kid gets into middle school and high school, that the three most important voices in their lives are friends, parents and then celebrities. So parents need to remember they're not as imp- they're not as important as the friends, but they're more important than the celebrities. So that's a great place to be. Um, but that's so valuable for parents to remember that my voice actually does matter in their life and um, to ask them. I love asking my kids questions before I tell them what I believe when they ask me something, you know, what do you think about this? Um, they they now know my youngest will go, I'm going to ask you a question, and I know you're going to ask it back. But um, so it's also great to ask them questions. But your voices matter. And I love that both of you talked about that. And it's so important, important, important for our moms to remember that. So that's great advice, guys. Are you guys ready for my next question? Well, let me add one thing that okay. I think is important, what you said, Mel, and about asking questions, because that's actually biblical. Like we're called to live a life like Christ. And Jesus spent a lot more time asking questions than telling anyone anything. Your child's going to learn more by you allowing them to process things in front of you. And so instead of pushing what you hope they believe, you might lead them more towards biblical truth by asking them questions than just saying what you what you believe to be true. I think mm-hmm. asking questions is the right questions is so important. Yeah, and you're also teaching them just valuable conversation skills to not just be the only person talking like what a great skill as an adult to learn to ask questions and to listen and um so that's it's something i try to do and sometimes i don't know what to say so i ask it back (laughs) and they usually know more about it than me so yeah well how so let's let's dive into um kennedy you brought up the faith factor like let's let's ask 
how do you invest in your child's faith as a parent, I know for me, um, our kids go to church on Sunday, but they're also, they have a youth pastor, so they go on Wednesdays as well. Um, that's two hours a week. And what I would really love to do is just outsource that and believe that that's enough. Um, do I, as a parent, do our single moms who don't have a lot of margin and a lot of time, do they really need to be doing anything at home with their kids, especially if their kids are involved in church, or are we good? I know the answer to that. I think that, like you said, like the three most important voices in the home are, are just for a child and is like a parent. And so um, that's one of them. And I, I think that you have so much value to bring to that. And so investing in their faith means like we've talked about allowing them to ask questions back to you and also just showing the importance of faith and going to church and just making it a priority to um, do those things. Yeah, I think I think how you invest in your child's faith as a parent is is you should be speaking biblical truth into their life. I think it's just how do you does it come up at the dinner table? Does it come up when you leave church? You know, I think sometimes it's just families can get into the habit of just showing up to check off that they went to church, but not discussing, well, what did you, what did you learn from Sunday morning student ministry? Like we'll email out to parents, what was discussed or posted on social media, but I don't know how many people actually use that tool to support having other faith-based conversations. Um, your, I had a professor in seminary that said every student needs five heart connections. And in a perfect world, that's mom and a dad, but we don't live in a perfect world. And so if you're a single parent, you, you have yourself. And then in an ideal world to set your child up for um, strength spiritually, this professor argues that your kid needs five spiritual mentors in their life. And that can be a youth pastor. It can be an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a great teacher. But you want to actively as the parent, I think, be trying to put those people in your child's life. It's kind of like I can tell my six-year-old, look both ways before you cross the street, but she's just like, oh, dad tells me to do that. But then if her Sunday school teacher and her teacher and someone else's parent that she respects says, she's like, oh, maybe I should look both ways before I cross the street, you know? And so sometimes investing in your child spiritually is allowing other people to do that too, because it just takes a village. And also I would say, I may be ruining a question for later that we can process more, but I think your students watch you way more than they listen to you. And so if they see you spending time in the word, if they see you going to church, if they see you talking about Jesus, if they see you serving your community and loving the poor and the needy, that's gonna impact their faith more than what you're saying is watching if you're living a life like Christ. Yeah, and to bounce off of that, like I would say that ultimately like their faith is their choice, but if they see you doing it and they see like how you have pursued that, then they will like decide, oh, well maybe maybe I do want to make that choice or maybe I do want to be committed as my um, mom is and see how how much like fulfillment you get from that and also just like how your faith has grounded you in so many different ways. Like like he was saying, they're watching you more then they're listening to you. And so just continuing to be that example is probably the best way that you can invest in their faith. That was my next question. I was going to say, we have decided they are listening, even though they act like they're not possibly, but are they watching us and are our lives an example? And so Sterling, when you brought up adding this army to help you, um, that means that 
they're not only hearing other people say the same things, they're also watching them as well. And so I, I think that is so, so important. So we, we talked about they are watching us. What are some ways that our single moms could be examples to their children about this is what faith really looks like. This is what it really looks like to follow Christ. It's not just we go to church and uh, we hang these scriptures up in our house. Like how could a single mom who um, has less margin and probably feels less equipped and doesn't have that partner helping her, how could she be an example to her kids? Think of things that immediately come to my mind of setting a faith example. Like I can remember, and this seems weird because you don't want to do this just to flash that you're pursuing Jesus. This needs to be out of a discipline of, of your outpouring and love for God. But I, maybe I was like a nosy kid. Um, so I don't know if my mom will ever stumble upon your podcast. Um, but I like remember my mom, my mom keeps a journal every single day. And sometimes I would sneak into her room no. where she lived that journal out. Now Darling. <laughs> But my mom was always praying about good things. Like I said, you know how like you're not supposed to go through a woman's purse. I went through my mom's purse. Um, Nosey Sterling. But uh, I think just I mean, if your kids see you reading the Bible, like I wake up before my kids to have my quiet time, and sometimes my oldest wakes up and she sees me there, you know. And so just out of happenstance, they see me pursuing Jesus. But also, I think even for single parents, especially for single parents, you need to be seeking community and encouragement. And sometimes our kids, for those listening, I have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a 10-month-old, but we may go to our community group or hang out with our community group. And they'll say, well, why, why do we have to have a babysitter tonight? And I talk about how I need people who encourage me and tell me to seek Jesus. And so it's okay for them to know, like, I do these things because I need community and I need to be spiritually encouraged so that needing biblical community and Jesus is reflected in my life. So they think, oh, I probably need that in my life, too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I don't have kids, but I do know the importance of healthy boundaries. And I think that showing your kids the healthy boundary of um, pursuing your own faith and then like revealing that to them. I think that that is an important part of showing your kids your faith. Yeah. And Kennedy, you also need to hide your journal if you keep one from Sterling because oh, yeah. you could be snooping around the offices. Now, so I only do that every so often. Okay. okay. It's just emails nowadays. Okay. <laughs> I've never looked at emails. This makes me think of a funny story of not just not just kids watching their parents, but the people you're surrounding your kids with. A friend of mine texted me a couple days ago and said, um, my son was waving at all the people driving by in the neighborhood. And I finally asked him, do you know them? And he said, no, you wave at your neighbors. And she said, well, who taught you that? And he said, well, I always see Mel wave at her neighbors because sometimes I will take him on walks. And he had asked me, oh, is that your friend? And I said, no, we just wave at our neighbors. <laughs> and she said, Aww. thanks for teaching him. And I thought, oh, I, I didn't mean to teach him to wave at strangers. I hope that's okay. Uh, but they are watching and they're watching the people that you have in your house, which is really, really important as well. So I love those are those are great points. But um, I, very timely of her texting me that this week. And I thought, do I need to apologize. Are you okay that I taught him to wave at strangers? And she said, no, it was super cute. It was super cute. So I just need to not be taking candy from my neighbors. (laughs) Help them find their dogs. Yeah, Yeah, I could. It matters if, if it's chocolate, I'm all in. If it's sour, I'm out. So 
I don't want you to out anyone. I know you spend a lot of time with parents, um, and so we won't use names or specific examples, but what are some things that you, over your time in ministry, that you've watched parents do that you thought, that's probably not the best idea? Um, Something that, you know, an example that they've done wrong when it comes to investing in their child's faith. Um, I would say growing up for me, we spent a lot of time doing sports in school and we made that a priority over going to church on Sunday mornings. And so I just, I just think that showing up for church is not the line. I think you can keep going further past that and go to church and invest in that and then build a community around those people that go to church. Like Sterling and I were talking about that, how he um, puts the people that she, that his kids are friends with at church, like they will hang out with them and they will do things with them outside of the church walls. And I think it's important to one, make church something that is a priority and not like making things higher than that. And then just surrounding yourself with other people in the church so that you do have a community within it when you get there. Yeah, I agree with Kennedy prioritizing is definitely a mistake I can see parents make of just putting other things prioritized before a relationship with Jesus. I think there's two more. I think one is what we kind of talked about before of just trying to keep your kid from the world instead of preparing them for it. I see that a lot um, with just kids not being ready to go off to college, not being ready to be independent, not being ready to articulate and defend their faith or know why they believe it. And then the last one I would say, and I don't know why this one necessarily comes to mind. I think you could probably chalk it up to just practicing what you preach. But I think a lot of kids can have a bitterness or a lack of respect when hearing their parents say things if they see their parents not practicing what they preach. And Even at five and six, one of the hardest things, but I just told myself from being in student ministry and watching it was if if my kids deserved an apology from me, that I was going to do it because they need to know that I'm imperfect and I'm in need of Jesus. And there's that balance of them understanding I'm still an authority in your life, but I'm going to make mistakes. I think there are a lot of parents that are too proud to say I'm sorry or admit when they're wrong. And I've even in the short time, so I didn't explain it, but I'm a foster parent, um, which that's just a whole nother uh, thing to unpack of, of why that's even more important to me. Those kids hear me say, I'm sorry, but the girls we've had, we've had them for two years. But if I make a mistake, if I've had a hard day and I lose my cool, I will go back and say, I'm so sorry that I lost my temper. I was just frustrated because of this, but that didn't make it okay for me to to yell or something like that. And I have found that they are more quick to apologize because they've seen repentance and forgiveness and apologies reflected in how I live my life. And so I think one of the best things you can do for your kid is apologize when when you need to apologize. Because I think parents really struggle to apologize to their kids sometimes. And I'm not saying that's not easy. I mean, they drive me crazy sometimes. It's hard to want to apologize to someone mm-hmm. when you're just like, you should just do what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think an apology when it's deserved goes a long way in impacting your kid because you're just practicing repentance and showing them that you have to do that sometimes too. I love that, Sterling. And I found that kids, maybe the older they get, it's less of this, but kids are super full of grace and mercy. And so I will do something and apologize, and they'll go, okay, and they move on when I'm thinking about it for six days. <laughs> so, okay. 
So we need them to prioritize um, church and and community that can build their faith and their character and all of those things. We need parents to apologize. So what are some things that you've seen? Those are p- things you, you've seen parents could do better at. What are some things you've seen that parents do really well? And you thought, man, I, Sterling's thinking, I want a parent like them now. And Kennedy's putting it in her journal going, I'm going to remember that whenever I have kids, if I have kids. So the first two things that come to mind when I hear that question, one was a parent at this church. And I just never thought about it, but they're There are so many things your kids are going to see and hear. Um, I think sometimes people, the P word, pornography. Um, I think a lot of times people think like, oh, I just, I don't have to deal with that until I have a smartphone. The average age of kids exposed to things on the internet is like third or fourth grade now. Um, The words your kids hear in school, there are words that my five and six-year-old come back with that I know they have not heard from Disney Plus or my mouth. Um, And so... There is a woman at our church who said that she gives her kids permission if they if they hear something and they don't know what it means, they have permission to come and ask her and they will not get in trouble for it. And I just thought that was such a great idea because there's so many times where I would hear a word at school growing up and like I knew it was taboo, but like was one too embarrassed to ask my friends at school. But I was like, well, I'm not gonna ask my mom and dad what that means, you know, or what I saw. And so I just think she removed the, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, I already used the word taboo, but she removed just the mist around it that I can't talk about it. And so she was able to have a lot of great conversations with her kids about, well, this is what it used to mean, but this is what it means now. And um, I can't say it on the podcast, but the word she gave an example for just made me laugh out loud. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I think that is a great thing. And then I had an old boss at a previous church and he was just so intentional. And actually Scott Ward, our current mm-hmm. educational pastor is great at too. Just life can be so busy, but both of my last superiors were so good about making intentional one-on-one time with their kids. And they had multiple kids because you need that. The relationships that matter most to you in your life, whether it's a parent or a friendship as a parent, as these single moms are listening, it's because you've invested time in it. And if all your kids are to you is seeing them at the end of the workday and making sure that they've done their homework and that they're fed and that their rooms are clean, it kind of becomes like a utilitarian familial relationship you know you need those quality moments as well and making the time to have those with your kids because it just brings a deeper value to your relationship so even in the business of life i think it is good to schedule and be intentional about we're going to go to a movie or i'm going to take you to breakfast or we're going to put up our phones and we're going to watch this movie tonight and have pizza in the living room and eat candy like you need that quality time too um, so that there's a deeper relationship so that when discipline comes they maybe respect it more because they have a deeper bond with you yeah, I want to do that, have pizza and eat candy. We call it family night, or my five-year-old says flamily night because she can't uh, say family. I oh, definitely, I want an yeah. invite to flamily night. <laughs> flamily night's awesome. We introduced them to Honey, I Shrunk. Oh, the kids? No, okay, so we didn't do Honey, I Shrunk the kids because that was an hour and 45 minutes and we wanted to go to bed earlier. So we did Honey, I Shrunk ourselves, uh, which was the made-for-TV one made mm. straight for DVD before when DVDs used to exist, but because that was only an hour and 15 minutes, but they love Flamely Night. That's awesome. That's fun. So Can we're it, still so at times where our preschoolers like look forward to hang out with us. The teenagers, I mean, my parents were really good about making us do family intentional things. You just have to know I'm fully aware my six-year-old is pumped to eat candy with me when she is 15 
it may be more of a burden to get the ball rolling on family night, but mm-hmm. yeah. they'll look they'll look back and be appreciative of that. I instilled that discipline. So. Yeah. What I have to do, um, I have older kids. My boys are 12 and 18, so maybe we do a movie night, but I just always do something that I know they really want to do, and I know that my 18-year-old always wants to go to Whataburger. He will never. Whether yeah. he's done with me, if I ask him if he wants to go, he's game. So we actually did a podcast with our, our educational pastor we're talking about, and it was called, he had this phrase called be a student of your child. And a really big point from it was you're, you're going to connect with your child be, by becoming a student of their interests. Yeah. Um, students can be a little self-centered. Humans can be a little self-centered. But as the adult, you need to lay down your interests sometimes and, and just kind of delve into what they like. You know, I have two brothers and my mom knew facts about sports because my older brother loved playing football. I loved music and she knew everything about what I was doing. And my little brother loved video games and she would play Mario Kart with him or whatever it was, you know, and we all have great relationships with our parents because they took interest in the things that interested us. That's great. Kennedy, you have anything to say on, hey, I've watched these parents do this and I wrote that down. Um, I know something that my parents did was they always showed up for me and I played softball in high school and they would come to every single game. And I know that like, that's maybe not a possibility for every parent, but my mom would just tell me that she was excited to get to hear about my game whenever she couldn't come to it. And she would always ask me about it and she would always just make the effort to show up or whenever she couldn't show up, she would always make the effort to know that like she was cheering me on from wherever she was. That's great. I hear both of you talking about examples of people making space and making sure their kids are in that space. And that is something we can do if we need to get up 30 minutes earlier to spend time with our high schooler, that that's something we can make a priority of. So I love that our single moms can start doing those things today. Well, we are getting close to the end, but I want to make sure I ask you this question before we close. Uh, because we always need some encouragement, especially our listeners. So do either of you have any encouragement for our single moms that are listening today? The first advice that I would have for single moms listening is I think sometimes we can focus so much on, on what we think we've done wrong as a parent or the harder moments. But when I look back on my parents, I remember the good things they did. And I remember the happy memories. Like there's something about the human brain that remembers way less of the mistakes. And they remember way more of the wins and the, and the intentional moments you spent loving them well and the fun things. Like we had a podcast recently with um, someone who was talking about when your child doesn't do what you hope they do. And he said that they went through a really rough time with their daughter and he went back and he's like, do you remember all that? And she goes, I don't really remember a lot of the times where you lost your cool with me. I just remember that you came and had lunch with me every day to pursue me when I wasn't doing what you wanted. And there's just, there's some, there's resiliency that just lets us move forward. And you just need to give yourself grace. Like you're going to make mistakes and you need to, obviously we always want to strive to be better, but I would just encourage moms. And as a single parent, you're doing 
more than you ever had to. And I applaud single moms for that because they're so strong and your kids need you. But just give yourself some grace and forgiveness because there's no way anyone can do everything perfect and you're doing it on your own. And I'm sure that's hard sometimes, but I'm, I'm so thankful for our single moms in our church and the hard work they do and, and they're doing awesome. So I would just say on the hard days to give yourself some grace and forgiveness because single moms kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just encourage... Um you guys and in the way that like you probably meet your student or your child where they're at more than any other person can and you see them where they're at in their fullness and i would just encourage you to like keep keep doing that and know that christ meets them where they're at no matter um if you want them to be a certain place like he meets them where they're at and he meets you where you're at and so just fully accepting that allows you to be able to love and continue to do more than you ever could for them good stuff. Thank you both for joining us today for your wisdom, your encouragement, and the advice you give our moms. And I wrote stuff down as a parent that, okay, I have got to make sure I'm doing these things. So I really appreciate your time and your hearts and everything that you're doing for the future generation and the kingdom of God. I'm so glad we were able to do this today. Moms, make sure you subscribe and share our podcast wherever you listen um, and email us if there's any specific prayer request. Uh, we would love to spend time praying for you and your children. Info at ariseministries.net. Have a wonderful day.